Good evening, Lake Church. Yeah, I like it. Look at you guys. You're alive tonight. We would like to welcome everybody that's here tonight, and we would love to welcome everybody that's watching online. We are so glad you're with us tonight, especially for uh, the book of Ephesians. You know, what were, what, three, uh, two or three scriptures in? It's pretty amazing. Yeah, this is going to be a, this is going to be a long series. We may have to get two or three of these before it's over. I just wanted to uh, let you guys know that uh, both Cross-Eyed and Hear and Be Healed are out in the foyer, so make sure you put your hands on those and, and purchase those. I know we bought the one from last year that had all the stuff on it, and man, it is really cool to listen to that in the, in the car, because you know, you listen to it and you think, oh, I remember that service, and they're talking, but you always get another nugget that you might have missed when you were sneezing or, you know looking on Facebook or whatever it is you're doing in church that you're not supposed to. But there's all that stuff that you catch the second time around. So I'm, I'm anxious to get through it and go through it the third time around because there's going to have to be good stuff the whole way through, right? All right. Well, we got a couple of announcements. Um, the Greater Grace Women's Adventure. Man, look at you guys give it such cool names. The Adventure. Special guest is going to be Melanie Clay. It's going to be Thursday, March 30th, and Friday, March 31st. Doors open at 6 p.m. The conference begins at 7. Um, I would announce the last day for early bird, but that is now over. Um, I don't know if you can order shirts, but it says on here only till March 19th, so probably not. But you are going to need to come be a part of that because that is an amazing time. I know that when the men's do it, I mean, it's just all men worshiping and praising the Lord together. So I'm sure you women probably do the same thing. So make sure that you uh, are a part of that. You know, the, they always say women get, you know, a ticket for your men for those men conferences. Well, men, surprise your wife with a, or your girl or your daughter or whatever. Surprise them with a ticket. Tell them how much you want them to go and, and worship the Lord. So now it's time to move into our time of, I don't know, giving. That's what I'm talking about. Surely you guys get more excited than that. You know, I'm reminded of a time that uh, the church that we used to go to, and uh, there was this minister. Well, let me back up by saying, you know, pastor's been talking about, you know, not asking who's ministering because we're all ministering every time we come into this church building, right? We're all ministering to somebody somewhere. And so we need to come with that heart. Well, that applies for giving also. Now, when you give your tithes, that's kind of set. You give that to your home church. That's okay. You know that. I know you know that because we get that teaching here. But then offering is also a special time. And it shouldn't matter who's ministering. When the Lord puts it on your heart, you need to give. Because that's what it's about. It's not about who you're giving it to. And I have a story that goes along with that. That one time the Lord told me, to give $250 to this minister that was visiting. Don't care for this minister, don't care for the way he preaches, but he does minister the word, you know, but just didn't didn't click with me. But, you know, great, you know, not everybody does. And so the Lord said, I need you to give $250 to his ministry. And I'm like, you bet. I don't even like him that much. I'm not going to give him $250 to his ministry. So I'm kind of arguing, you know, with the Holy Spirit and, you know, just doesn't say anything. And I go on and and the Lord says, uh, well, if you don't want to give $250, I'd like for you to give $500. And I'm like, I wasn't giving $250. I'm sure not giving $500. 
And so we go a little bit further, and my wife bumps me with her elbow, and she says, uh, the Lord just put something weird on my heart. We're supposed to give some money to this ministry, but it's a lot of money. And I was like, okay, well, 500 wasn't bad. And so uh, I thought, okay, you know, if, if he's confirming it with my wife, then that's got to be that's got to be right, right? So I go to fill out the checkbook, and the Lord says, I need you to give $1,000. You know, two fifty was okay, but a thousand. Now you're reaching into my my mad money, and I'm just like, oh, okay, no problem, we'll do it. And I was blessed because of it. So what the Lord was showing me is it didn't have anything to do with the minister that I was giving to. It had to do with the fact that I was being obedient, and the fact that He was saying, "This is what I want you to do." Now I could have just not done anything, and He would have been just fine, but I would have missed out on a blessing. And that's what you guys need to understand is that when the Lord puts it on your heart, it's a blessing. You are going to be blessed for that. And I bring that up because there's actually a special offering um, coming up for, and it is not on my notes here. It's for the Uganda. Oh, I apologize. I I went by by my text message that Daniel sent me and I knew that I shouldn't have. but I don't want to mess it up. It's the Missionary Training School in Uganda to North Africa, which is predominantly Muslim. So the fact that we're able to give, it's just amazing to give to a Muslim people. Um, And this will be presented to them in June. So if the Lord puts it on your heart, just make sure you write Uganda on your, your offering or when you do it online or on the church app, make sure you note that, that you want that to go to Uganda. Because that's where the Lord is going to give you a special blessing. You know, I'm not trying to guilt you into it. It's whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Whether it's $5, whether it's $500, whatever that is, that's between you and the Lord. The person up here should never guilt you into anything. So follow the Lord, and if he leads you that way, you'll be blessed by it, I promise you. All right, so there are other ways to give besides just the old school way of using an envelope. You can text to give right there. Or you can use the church app. Now, I, as you guys know me, I am anti-app. I am anti-anything that has to do with computers or anything. But watch this. I mean, you literally hit the church center app, and as long as the internet works, and just hit the giving button right there. I mean, it's that easy. Literally takes you two seconds. So now I really like this app. Out of the 4,000 apps on my phone, I really like this one the best. So make sure that you avail yourself to that or text to give or the envelopes, drop them off when you leave. So uh, enough of my long-windedness. Let's just pray and get this thing moving. Father, I just give you praise and honor and glory. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are my Father. And I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you give to us to be able to give into your kingdom, Lord. That, Father, there are so many other ways that you could give into your kingdom, but you choose us. You choose to allow us the opportunity to be a part of that and to be blessed by that. And I just thank you, Lord God, for that opportunity. I pray that you bless each and every person that's here, each and every person that's watching online. And I just give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's listen to Pastor Greg as he comes and preaches on Ephesians. All right. Good evening, Lake Church. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Well, we're going to be in Ephesians, of course, so you can turn there, but we're actually going to start in the book of Acts. Um, so we look over at, uh, we'll read our, our text here. But uh, God is doing tremendous things. Amen. Do you believe that? Yeah. God is doing tremendous things. Let's lift our hands and give him praise for his goodness and mercy. Hallelujah. We give you praise and glorify you. We magnify you, O oh God. We exalt you, O oh God, for you are good and you do good. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Glory to your name, Lord. We exalt you, Lord. We magnify you. We glorify you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We know that the hour is short, that time is short. And especially when it comes to the 1040 window and the Uganda Mission Training Center is something that the Lord has put on our hearts to be able to give to. They're going to be coming on June 25th. It's uh, Dave and Shonda Tompkins. They'll be with us. And I haven't told them what we're doing, so it's going to be a surprise. So you don't tell them either. <laughs> And uh, we're going to present them with a check. And it's going to be a good size one. Amen. Amen. And uh, I tell you what, we should be concerned about kingdom business. We should be concerned about the Great Commission. Amen. And that is an area of the world that needs the light of the gospel. And not only the light of the gospel being projected from that house, but the training of ministers to go into that part of the world and around the world is something that should be dear to every believer's heart. Missions should be dear to every believer's heart. Whether they go or whether they fund or whether they pray, they should be doing something in regards to reaching the world for Jesus. Amen? And so uh, Bob is going to be going to the Philippines tomorrow, and he's going to take DJ with him. Amen. And we're blessed to have DJ with us. I'm going to have them come up here, and we're going to pray over them because we want to pray the protection of the Lord over them and, the pro- you know, that they'll have a profitable time. Amen. There's a lot going on and a lot of things that, Uh, puzzle pieces that need to be put into place. And I believe that this will be a time and a season in which they will begin to see that happen. So come on up here, my guys, and let's extend our hands and pray over them. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you, Father God, for your goodness and mercy. We lay hands on them right now in the name of the Lord, and we call every mode of transportation into the ministry. We thank you that help from the sanctuary, angelic hosts surround them, Help them and aid them and prepare the way. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're there empowering them, energizing them, giving them the supernatural strength they need to do the many things that you've set forth. And I thank you, Father God, that ears will be opened and eyes will be opened and bodies will be healed and people will be filled with your power and your presence and your glory. 
and that lives will be transformed and changed in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father God, that all the puzzle pieces that need to be put in place, that Bob will come back home knowing of a surety what needs to be done, that he's going to operate in the mind of Christ in regards to this. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it, and we look for them to return healthy, strong, and filled with fire. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to try to get into uh, some more scriptures. Uh, Move on there, but we, I, I think that we need to, you know, if you study a book in college or you study a literature in college, a lot of the study is the surrounding material, the, the context, the historical context and, you know, who's what and where and getting all the information. So what we're doing these last couple of times is laying that foundation and uh, we're going uh, we're, we're to move into uh, 3 through 14 tonight. But it starts off, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So that's a powerful verse. We've, we've, we spent majority of our time uh, ministering along that line. We understand the name of Paul means small or little. We understand that the word apostolos is the highest uh, order of the fivefold ministry. We see the contrast that his gifting is greater than he, who he is physically. And that's the case with each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. And then he, he says, by the will of God to the saints, the called out ones, the ones who are like the Lord who are in Ephesus, and we're establishing Ephesus right now. What is Ephesus? Because, you know, it's important for us to know the history. And so we're going to be looking at Acts, and I'll just do a quick overview of a little bit of stuff that we talked about last week, because I think it's important. And, of course, you know, I'm trying to remember all of these various numbers and things of that nature in my head, and I make mistakes. And so I think I said, I I think I was going by the church of Corinth where Paul was at the place for six years. Actually, he was at Ephesus for three. He says three, but as we look into the scripture, he mentions three, but you mentioned two years and three months. So he had, you know, profitable ministry during at least two to three months to three years of ministry. And so the 19th chapter of the book of Acts begins to give us the introduction to where we can begin uh, to see how this church was birthed because Ephesus became the hub. It became the hub for an entire outgrowth and revival throughout Asia Minor. It was something that was integral uh, to the New Testament church at that time. And the Apostle Paul uh, established the work with him and his two partners in crime, uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. And so when he pulls up 
to this port he is walking in, which was one of the largest ports in that in the Roman world. It was the it was one of the four largest cities in the Roman world. It was a pleasure place. It was about pleasure. It was about excess, and it was about sexuality. They worshipped Artemis, which is Diana in the Greek, but Artemis in the Asian, and she was a uh, a deity that focused on sexual pleasure. And so the whole economy and everything that was done was based upon the worship of Artemis. Majority of the money in the economy was brought in through the worship of Artemis. And see, we've got to understand that when Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, he stripped those powers. But that doesn't mean they're going to just lay down. It was only as when the apostle Paul, when he got off that boat and he set foot in that port, he was setting his feet just like Joshua did when he stepped over into the promised land. Remember what God told him. God said, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon shall be yours. And see, we are talking about missions tonight. We're talking about, you know, uh, the 1040 window. We're talking about the Philippines. And that is the spirit that we've got to have. Is that even though Paul considered himself small and the least among all the apostles, when he set foot on there, he became the most important man in that city. Because he was a man filled with God. He had a message from God that no one else had heard. Artemis did not want, you see, Ephesus to hear this message. He was opposed at every hand. But when he set foot there, he was ready to take spiritual territory for the Lord. And there's still spiritual territory that needs to be taken. Amen? But we know this, just as when Joshua... Uh, When God spoke to Joshua, he spoke to Moses first, and then he spoke to Joshua. And even it was uh, corroborated by, um, you know, Rahab, that the defenses had departed from them. That everything you saw, someone needs to hear this, everything you see in the natural, the fortifications, the weaponry, the armor, everything that's there, There's nothing behind it. The doctor's report, there's nothing behind it. The financial distress, there's nothing behind it. The invisible forces have been declared defeated. So you have to, you have to, And when we get into Ephesians, see, he talks about positional truth. Positional truth is important for us because it's how we walk in this physical world because everything else tells us we are not that. But if we're assured 
in what God says about us and in what God has done in us and is doing through us. It, it, when we show up into a room, we are showing up as men and women filled with Almighty God with a message. And you might think, you know, my neighbor, my boss, my this, my that, they are mean, they're going to persecute me. They're... No, the defenses have been eradicated and defeated. You've got to start seeing the spirit realm the way God sees the spirit realm. It's not, come on now, it's not they're waiting and they're growling at us. They're already dead on the ground, beheaded, dethroned, stripped, wheezing, gasping for air. And it's not because of what you have done or what you will ever do. It's because Jesus became you and I so that we could walk like him in the earth. Amen. And it's important to get a hold of that. So when he set foot on that, man, he had a message. And I'm telling you, the demonic realm began to shift and quake. And the principality, Artemis, began to move because she did not want this message being brought forth. But guess what? Artemis was already defeated. She was already dethroned. So when the apostle Paul stepped over into that place, he didn't have to step over in fear. He didn't worry about fighting the devil. You're never called to fight the devil. Did you know that? Not one time are you to fight the devil. He had to fight the good fight of faith. And that meant that he had to believe what God had said, that Jesus meant what he meant when the Great Commission was brought forth. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that doesn't believe shall be damned. And this signature, we talked about that last week, and this signature shall follow them that believe. They'll speak with new tongues. Praise God. They'll cast out demons. Actually, the Greek says they will exercise authority over the devil. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So we not only have a message, we're not only equipped with the Spirit of God, but we have Jesus' signature. We have his signature. And when we lay hands and when we do what God tells us to do and when we imitate Jesus, praise God, his signature is on that. And when we invoke his name, praise God, he signs it. I said he signs it. Amen. And that's what he did. That's what he did in Ephesus. But not without opposition. If you're not experiencing opposition, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. You're going to be opposed. Amen? It's, it's vital and important. So we, we, we looked at this in, in Ephesus in verse number 1. It says, It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the in, in, inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, 
That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, that's when Jesus put his signature on it. Amen. He says the Holy Spirit came on them. See, they had the Holy Spirit within. They were born again. That's how they got baptized. They had the Holy Spirit within. And I shared with you last week, we need to be seeing people not only get saved, but get filled with the Spirit at the same time. Because that's the pattern of the book of Acts. Now, if you go by my, you know, history, I got saved and then got filled with the Spirit months or even years later. And many people go almost their entire life without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because they've been told lies about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the New Testament pattern is that people will get saved, baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit all in a one-stop shop experience. Amen. Praise God. Because once, see, that's the whole reason that he cleans you up and puts himself inside you. It's so that you can be anointed to operate and walk as the body of Christ in the earth. Amen. And they began speaking in tongues. Oh, my gosh. And they prophesied. Amen. And there were about 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue. And that was always Paul's custom. And that's the reason why he experienced a lot of opposition is because he basically did the opposite of what he was told by the Lord to do. Did you know that when he was knocked off his horse... That God specifically told him what he was supposed to do. And even confirmed it through Ananias who came and prayed for him. He said you're supposed to go to the Gentiles and kings and to your own countrymen. So your own countrymen is the last. That's the last. Your emphasis should be the Gentiles and foreign kings. Hello. But guess what Paul did? He's just like us, knucklehead. He goes to his own people every time. And in fact, Rick Renner says this in his writings, that Paul was an absolute failure in his first missionary journey because that's what he did. He went to his countrymen. They opposed him and impeded him, and it caused it not to be fruitful. And it was only when he got the Macedonian call that he extended himself away from that and got strictly into the Gentiles and then his ministry began to flourish. It's important to listen to the Lord. It's important for you to follow him, his instructions explicitly in your life. Hello. You know, many people, when they get saved, they want to go back to the bars that they frequented. Hello. Well, that's exactly what Paul was doing. He was going back in the place of the synagogues to argue with the Jews. And that's what was happening here. He says he entered into the synagogue and for three months, boy, he's a hardhead. He spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, Speaking evil of the way. And that's really what this movement was called. It was called the way. And the reason why is because Jesus called himself the way. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And so 
When you're going into a synagogue and people have been schooled into thinking that the law was the way to God, and you start preaching that, no, the law was never a way to God. It pointed to Jesus the way to God. Then he began to have contention and problems. And they began to persecute those that were in the way. Before the congregation, he withdrew himself. See, he he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus, which is a place in which Greeks would gather and they would, uh, philosophy and, and any of the, the, the things that they were thinking about of the day, new concepts, new religions, they would come together and they would talk about this. And he did this for the space of two years. Two years. And this is how the church was established. It was established from just simply um, 12 men who were disciples of John. And then he, he got a group in the synagogue, small group. Then he moved into the hall of Tyrannus. And for two years he preached the gospel. And that is how the church began. Okay? And it just shows you there's always a progression in what God does. And that it doesn't start off like gangbusters like we think. Because there's still a principality to deal with. Now, here's where he begins to deal with the principality. And it says in verse number 11, and it says, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. So all of a sudden, this ministry that is basically, you know, He's just reasoning and teaching and instructing and, and unveiling the kingdom of God and unveiling the message. And he's going to tell us what that message is in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. That's the plan of God right there. And we're going to look at it. It's the absolute plan of God. And so he's preaching and he's teaching that. And then as he's doing that, extraordinary miracles start to happen. Because Jesus always signs off on his word. And if we're not seeing signs and wonders after we're proclaiming the word of God, then we're not doing it right. We need to expect every time we open that book and every time we share the message of the gospel that there is power available, dynamic, and it's working. And that we need to yield to that, be open to that, and yield to the Holy Spirit and begin to open, you know, opportunities for God to, Jesus, to sign his name. Amen? Don't just leave them wanting more. Let them know, man, God will meet you right here. Just a couple of scriptures read is enough power to heal a sick body, to cast out a devil, to bring deliverance. Amen? And so uh, demons, demon spirits begin to leave. And I'm telling you, there's a lot. There's a lot of them. Because Ephesus was an occult center. Because they worshipped Artemis and they worshipped other gods. And they were uh, proponents of witchcraft. 
okay? We'll find that out here in just a moment. So as he is doing this, the power of God is flowing through him, so much so that people began to get aprons off of him and cloths. They were taking them to people that couldn't get to the meetings, couldn't get out there, and praise God, they were being healed and set free. Amen? So these high priests, these seven sons of one Sceva, it says, decide that Paul's getting all the headlines. We've got to do something about this. So they begin to take a demon-possessed person because they're quite frequent in that time. And they begin to say, we adjure you. Now notice what it says, verse number uh, 14. Seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, and you've got to get a hold of this right here. He says, Jesus, I know. (laughs) I'm telling you, they know. They know Jesus. They're well aware. And every time that name is mentioned, defeat is all they see. They see. The, the lake of fire. They see their absolute destruction. They see their utter humiliation. They see the total victory over them. And he says, Jesus I know. But notice what he says. He doesn't even say, Paul I know. doesn't say that. He says, Paul I recognize. Oh, listen, listen to that. Because if you would have said, Paul, I know, he would have put him on the same level with Jesus. See, our power doesn't come from us. So when it comes to dealing with demonic forces, when it comes to dealing with the powers of darkness, when we invoke the name of Jesus, they know that name. But do they recognize you? See, only those that believe, praise God, that they have the same authority that Jesus gave them, those are the ones that are going to be recognized. Because I've seen a lot of people invoke the name of Jesus and nothing happened. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? But I'm telling you, if you are persuaded and understand that you're one spirit with him and that you're his body on the earth... And therefore, whatever's in the head's in the body. Whatever's in the vine's in the branch. That same power flows through you. It's not your power. It's not even, you know, it's not even your ability. You don't have it. You are a vessel being used by God. You're his body. This this hand is not me. If this hand was cut off, it wouldn't be me. You know, it wouldn't be me. But I'm telling you what, when it's attached to my body, it's identified with me. So therefore, whatever I desire for it to do, it does, and it has the same authority that's up here. And it's the same way with Jesus. He's the head, and we are the body. And when we invoke his name, it's in God's estimation, it's as if Jesus is right there. Do you understand that? See, you're not just, you know, Joel going to the hospital room. You're not just Karen going into the jail cell. You're not just, you know, uh, 
Patrick, you know, going out in the, in the marketplace. You are a man indwelt by Almighty God. You are unified with him. The same power that was in his life is in your life. And when you invoke his name, they know that name and they must recognize. Hello. I remember we had a gentleman that was out in the uh, parking lot. He was demonized. He'd been out on a bender. He, he decided he just wanted to go and just get buck wild, if you know what I mean. He, that's what he told me. He said, I just wanted to go get buck wild and live out on the street and just do all kinds of stuff. I mean, he was high on whatever, and uh, he was just doing all kinds of things out there in the wide open spaces. <laughs> and so it's a Wednesday night, and we get through teaching, and I walk out there, and there he is pulling his hair out. I thought, what is going on with this man? And so I needed some backup. Everybody left. Everybody's gone. <laughs> so I got my son, John John, and he came over there. And, and John John was new, was new at the time. He was new into the ministry and stuff. And that demon looked at me and said, you know what? I know who you are. He says, but I don't know who this guy is. And John John looked at him and said, well, you're fixing to know. <laughs> Amen. That's the way you got to be. They're defeated. They're defeated. They're defeated. I don't care if they crawl backwards, you know, and do their stupid stuff like Reagan and the exorcist coming down the stairs all weird and crab-like. It doesn't matter if they scale the walls. It doesn't matter if they fly around this room. They're defeated and they know it. And you don't need to be afraid of them. All they're doing is trying to show off and intimidate you and get you off your game. But if you stand in who you are in Christ Jesus, in the elevated position of the seated throne of Christ by the right hand of God, they cannot, cannot come against that. Amen? And that's what was happening. And these guys, they wanted some of that. Because it brought them popularity. It brought them, you know, you know, everybody began to put the spotlight on them. Well, they got beat up, man. Stripped naked. Amen? And notice this. Because of this, verse 17. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus. Guess what? The calling card is always going to be the same. And don't get mad at me for saying this, but I'm just going to tell you. It doesn't say that Priscilla and Aquila and the Apostle Paul had a food drive. And all Ephesus heard it. It didn't say that they had an egg drop. Oh, come on now. Stop looking at me like that. See, if we're going to shake the establishment, if we're going to turn the world right side up, we're going to have to do it the New Testament way. 
Now, does the New Testament talk about, you know, giving food to the poor and helping the poor? Absolutely. Jesus did that. Nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we're hinging and wondering why we haven't won the world because we gave them a bag of beans. Hello. And I tell you, some of that food we give away, we wouldn't even take home ourselves. I mean, I remember I get boxes of these little Debbie cakes. It's the little Debbie cakes no one wants. You know, experimental. You know, experimental little Debbies. Flavors that should never been made. And we got cases of them to give away. Well, what a witness that is to give them something they won't even eat. I remember one time we got a box, a case of, uh, when we first had the youth center that was in the building there, we had a case of um, chocolate honey buns. Little Debbie, chocolate honey buns. And, and I mean, we, we gave those things out for two years. <laughs> I mean, and they were, they were God-awful. And another one, chocolate Skittles. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? We had cases of them chocolate Skittles. The youth pastor at the time said, we'll just give them to all the visitors at the youth center. Well, they never came back. <laughs> Giving me those chocolate Skittles. Try to give them to kids and say, no, thank you. How many know what, you know, a chocolate honey bun? If you said that to your kids right now, they'd say, man, I want a chocolate honey bun. But when they taste it, and it tastes like cardboard with chocolate on it, and it was bad. And, and that's that, we had cases of that stuff. I said, throw that stuff away. Amen. Throw it away. We, we did the outreach during the fire. And, you know, people were bringing us, come on now. I'm just telling the truth. I'm speaking the truth in love. See, if we're going to give something, we need to give something good. And I think it was these combos. Remember them combos? Uh, and it wasn't even the good flavor either. It wasn't even, you know, the, the cheddar cheese. It was, it was Limbur- Limburger cheese or something. It was something bad. And it was so hard, people were cracking their teeth on it. Well, that's not a witness. That's not a right witness. That's not a right witness. Come on now. Hello. People are like, I really thank you for these. And they're going to cost me $250 to get my teeth. I'm serious. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Be blessed, my brother. Be warmed and filled. Be blessed. Blessing. Expiration date two years back. But all right, here you go. Jesus loves you. Huh? Oh, the Numinos. Remember them Numinos? Someone said, hey, pastor, I can get us some cookies. Well, I like cookies. I'll get us a case of cookies. I said, what kind of cookies are they? He said, they're kind of like an Oreo. I said, okay, well, I like Oreos. So we went and get them called Numinos. 
Paul Newman's face on the... They were the awfulest cookies I ever ate in my life. They had no flavor whatsoever. We gave them away as a joke. One time we did a family feud. Remember that? We did family feud here. And we gave them away as a joke. Along with toilet paper and things like that. I know that we're laughing about this, but this is, we, we've got to get back to New Testament. You start casting devils out of people, you start seeing the sick healed, you start seeing transformation happen through the new birth, people filled with the Spirit and speaking in other tongues. You're going to start seeing earthquake of change in a community. But here's the problem. They will never gossip about you for giving numinos. But they will gossip about you about leading someone in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They won't criticize you for giving out milk and bread. But they'll criticize you for healing the sick and casting out devils. And the church has avoided that stuff because they don't want the stigma with it. But it's time for us to realize we're here for one, place, one purpose, and it's to imitate Jesus in the earth and, 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 and how much we love him and how much he loves us and how much he's done for us. The world doesn't like him. And he says, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And we've got to be ready to handle that if we're going to be the body of Christ. And that's one thing that I see in the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul didn't care. He was just going to do whatever the Lord said to do. And we've got to get back to that. We've got to stop preaching an intellectual gospel. We've got to stop trying to, you know, have giveaways and try to get people in the seats through means that is not even biblical. I don't see one time in the book of Acts where they gave away a TV or a car. They did the work of the ministry. They were ready to not only put themselves on the line, but be considered scandalous. You know, they they had a thicker skin than we do today. And they were facing principalities and powers that uh, hadn't got the memo yet. I mean, the temple of Artemis, which was one of the wonders of the world, has been abandoned for, you know, millennia. And it's because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But he's walking in, and it's fully functional. It's fully functional. So he's going into enemy territory, walking into, you know, across the, the line, and he's coming in with the power of God. Not just a message, but the power of God. And we've got to get back to the power of God. Amen? Okay. All right. Now notice this. Notice this. This is good stuff, is it not? Okay. And it says, And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, 
both Jews and Greeks. And notice this, and fear fell upon them. When's the last time that's happened? It's, it's important for us to conduct ourselves and not compromise ourselves as a church to the point that the fear of God is not prevalent in our services and in our gatherings together. And that our outreaches as well must promote the fear of the Lord. And when people start seeing the true supernatural power of God, I'm trying to get you to get hungry for this stuff. Because there's, a, you know, there's just been a famine of this. We've been content with giving good messages, having a good object lesson, you know, making a good point, communicating well. And that's all well and good. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't have the power of God, if you don't have the signet of Jesus Christ, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then he said, these signs, this signature will show that that message has went forth and that they've received that message because you're going to start seeing exercising authority over the devil. You're going to start seeing, speaking with new tongues. You're going to start seeing these things. And if you're not seeing them, you're not doing it right. Fear came on them. And the name of the Lord Jesus was exalted. Listen, the name of Jesus is not exalted when people die prematurely, when people get racked with disease and tormented in their mind by the devil and still have their name written in the Lamb's book of life. That does not exalt the name of Jesus. Stop persuading yourself and getting this religious thinking that somehow he is glorified in those things. No, he was exalted because people were getting healed and set free and it was causing pay a pagan city to recognize the true and living God over the gods that ruled over them for millennia. And it says that the Lord Jesus was extolled. He was lifted up and raised up. Didn't he say that? If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Amen? And we've got to lift him up. It says also many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. So all of a sudden, these people that got, they, they began to say, man, we got we to gotta stop doing some stuff. Amen? People say we want revival. Well, are you ready for this? Are you ready for confession and divulging of practices? Are you ready for that? Are you ready for people to come and say, you know what, I've been doing this. I'm, I, I, I got to stop it. Can you, can you pray with me? Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that in your own life? Amen. You know, back in the day, I used to study uh, Finney's writing, Charles Finney. And Charles Finney, you know, was responsible for a great many of the revivals that happened in our nation. And, um, and he said that in order to bring about revival, now I'm not trying to bring this from a legalistic standpoint, but, you know, so, so hear my heart. 
he would have the congregational members write down what they were dealing with. If there was unforgiveness, they'd write it down. If they cheated somebody, they wrote it down. And these were believers. How many realize believers can do some sorry stuff? Hello. And he's had them write them down. He said, confess all of it. Write it down. They'd write it down. And then he would take it and they would, they would, they would, they would confess that list. Say, Father, forgive me for this and this, you know. And they would, they would empty themselves out. And then they would crumple the paper or burn it or whatever. And it was gone. And he said, man, the Spirit of God would come in and give them a freshness. It wasn't that the Spirit of God left. The Spirit of God was there. He was impeded. He's impeded by junk. God's expression was marred by our distractions and our other idols that we set up. Because when we sin against God, we're setting up an idol. We're saying we're going to worship this other than you, Lord. And that's what happened here. It says, in a number of those who had practiced magic arts, they brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. So there was a lot of books. There was a lot of this going on. But what was happening is, is they were taking their idols... They were taking all of their stuff and they were putting it on a pile and they were burning it. And we're not talking about records and we're not talking about necessarily, you know, uh, Shakespeare and things of that nature. We're talking about witchcraft books. We're talking about incantations and and spells and, 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 and demonic things. They're throwing them out and getting them out and burning them up. Amen. You shouldn't give away. Your crystals. You need to get rid of them to where no one else gets bothered by them. You know, if you've got a little tiki from Hawaii and you've had it in your house and it's, it's a, it's a, it represents a God, you don't give that as a Christmas gift to somebody else. You get rid of it. Get rid of your Dungeons and Dragons. Throw that in the trash. Come on now. Don't give, don't sell it in a yard sale. Get rid of it. It's got baggage to it. It's got spiritual baggage. Oh, well, we need to get rid of this Ouija board. Let's call Kevin and see if he wants it. That's not what we need to do. Hello? Burn it up. Get rid of it. Hallelujah. So what happened? Look at verse 20. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevailed mightily. Amen? Now, if you you study the rest of of the text that we're looking at, you'll see the fact that the Apostle Paul decided that he wanted to go and visit other places in Macedonia. And he left his team there in Ephesus. Well, you would think everybody would be happy about people getting transformation, life change, getting free of demonic activity, getting free and healed in their body. And there was a great... But you need to understand that when you're dealing with an opponent... It's kind of like a chess match. So, you, you know, God and you move, and guess what? There's going to be a counter move. And what happened? The counter move happened. It was the 
All the, the guys that built the idols for Artemis, there was a union of men that made their money building idols of Artemis and selling them and also pro- promoting the worship of Artemis because that was a tourist, you know, form of income. They got upset because people were burning their idols. They were burning them up. And so they began to create a riot. Now, look at this. It says, now, after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. You know what kills revival in the church? Is when the church gets embarrassed... Because the community begins to criticize the move of God. That's what happened. That's what's happening now in our nation. You're not hearing a whole bunch about that revival anymore. Why? Because it's a tactic of the devil to bring the media in to kind of put water on it. And they've got a whole lot of Christians. You know, I'm just happy for a move of God that exalts Jesus you know, I may not be, you know, into the Methodist. I may not be into, you know, denomination. But I am a part of the family of God, and they're a part of my family. And I may not have the same doctrine, but I am unified in spirit with them. And I'm not going to, you know, throw down and, and be all critical about it. But uh, there are YouTube teachings from criticizing that move. And that's a tactic of the devil. And that's what was happening here. Okay, now notice this. About that time, there arose no small disturbance concerning the way for a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that, underline this phrase, From this business, we have our wealth. You have to understand that the occult and the economy to these places is tied together. It's tied together. Any principality over a nation or over over a state or over a city, there's economics always tied with them. Because they know that the love of money is the root of all evil. And everything that is done to you and indirectly or directly is done under the motivation of the love of money. That's the reason why we have, you know, skyrocketing prices. The reason why we, it's never the same. It's, we don't get the bang for the buck that we used to. Why? Because it's all tied to the love of money. 
That's the reason why our food is tainted with all kinds of chemicals. That's the reason why our water isn't pure. That's the reason why is because people are trying to trim it down where the overhead is absolutely nothing and the margin of profit is large. That's the reason why there's problems in big pharma. That's the reason why there's problems in the banking system. That's the reason why there's problems in the religious systems of the world is because it's all about money. The love of money. Money itself is not evil. It's the love of money that's evil. And these uh, gentlemen found their living by worshiping a false goddess It was tied together. And their well-being was being threatened by this new doctrine that was taking this city by storm, which was the way. And they said, you know, the motivation wasn't, uh, hey, what do you think about this? They said, we're losing money. We're losing money. And you see in here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger not only, I can see this person on Fox News right now. I can see him. I can see him on CNN. Hello. Blowing it out of proportion. Blowing it totally out of proportion. They said, you know, it isn't just about my money. That's a lie. It isn't about my money. No, it's, it, 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 not only this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also, now notice it uses the word disrepute. So it does, he's not just saying that this is going to mean we're going to go out of business. It means that our integrity and our character is being threatened as well. We're being called a liar, is what he's saying. We're being called a false. We're proponents of falsehood. And we can't have that. Mm. Sounds like our nation right now. Amen? And notice it says this. It says... Let me find where I'm at here. And there is a danger not only to this trait of ours that may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing and that she may be even deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia in the world worshipped. And when they had heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled. Now notice this. I have the ESV. It says the city was filled with the confusion. How many have ESV? Anybody? It says the confusion. It doesn't say the city was filled with confusion. It says the city was filled with the confusion. And that word in the Greek means to co-mingle, to to kind of bring in a a, a promiscuity. It's a mixing. 
So it's, it's like this group, and I told you this in our study on Sunday, is that people, the, the, the governments and, and the uh, marionette puppet masters of the world understand that people don't think individually anymore. They think in packs. And so what they'll do is they'll bring in this, Artemis is being dishonored. You know, you know I'm sure they didn't say, we're losing money. I didn't, I'm sure they didn't say that. <laughs> we're losing money. That's not really, nobody cares about that. Nobody, nobody, but boy, the temple of Artemis is, is being dishonored. Our, our goddess is being dishonored. And that's the message. And people were filled with the confusion. The 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 the, uh, the the spirit began to move on them, and began to intermingle with them to where they began to get confused. This happened in 2020, with all the riots and the burning down of cities in our nation. They were in the confusion. Amen. But we have to understand that when it comes to true inherent revival in the church that there's going to be riot that when God comes and do does something there's a shaking that happens and we have to be prepared for that amen we have to be people prepared for that people that can stand and having done all to stand when the shaking begins to happen. Amen? So it's not just that everybody's getting free and everybody's getting... Because we've had moves like this in this church. Where we had an abundance of people that had gotten the baptized in the Holy Spirit. I remember one time there was over 23 young people that got baptized in the Holy Spirit in our youth ministry in one week. 23 that changes that will change the world you get 23 young people filled with the holy spirit it'll change everything the enemy didn't like it to every move that god makes there's always a counter move there's always something that the enemy brings in and so he brings in strife hello it's usually listen it usually comes from the shallow side of the pool that's where all the noise comes from. You know, you're out on the deep end. There ain't much splashing going on there. But you get over in the shallow end, and you throwing stuff and throwing hot dogs in the water, stuff like that, doing stupid stuff. People doing that stuff. Hello. Making a fuss about something. Hello. I'm telling you, you need, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You just stop talking that trash. I mean, God's moving and you're sitting there. I don't get fed anymore. I don't really feel connected anymore. You got your little floaties on, you know. Hello. There's always a counter move. And you've got to decide, are you going to swim on that side of the pool? Or are you going to go to deeper waters? Because when controversy comes into a house, when controversy comes into a house, and it's going to come into every house, guys. 
Every house. Because guess what? There's no such thing as a perfect church house. You're sitting here, aren't you? So if we'd stop splashing in the shallow water and just begin to dive into the deep end, when things get rough, we'll be able to we'll be able to see some great things. But that's what happened. I'm getting out of this. I'm getting out of this. You ain't even you ain't even in it, and you peed in it too. We got a. You know, we gotta clean your mess up. I'm serious. I'm serious. You know, they got that. You ever seen them kids in the pool? You know it. You know it. There's people that do that in the church. Hello. Get deep. Get deep. Well, the devil's after my marriage. Get deep. Well, he's after my business. Get deep. Well, I don't know. I don't know that I feel the flow of the spirit anymore. Get deep. Hello? See, attack came. Attack came. Attack came. Revival came. We all want revival. We don't want the attack. We don't want the counter move. But the counter move is going to happen. And the confusion is going to try to come in. And it can come into the church as well. It can come into where people are confused about their devotion to a house, their, their commitment to a house, everything else. And it's because they're on the shallow end. They're not staying in the deep end. They're not staying hooked in. They're looking to man instead of God. Well, he let me down. She let me down. Well, guess what? Jesus will never let you down. Can I go on record and tell you that I will let you down? Can I go on there? You know, I feel like I'm at an AA meeting, you know. <clears throat> My name is Greg. I like slow walks on the beach. And I am a recovering hypocrite. Amen. Hello. And I have failed, and I will fail. Hello. I'm going to close with this. i gotta, I got to shut her down because you guys, you keep me here till 10 o'clock. You've got to stop looking at shepherds, you know. When you see a picture of Jesus, you know, you see Jesus holding the sheep. You know, he's holding that sheep. You know, we tend to think that pastors are like Jesus holding the sheep, our leaders. But what we need to understand, it's a sheep holding a sheep. See, you've got to understand that. You've got to get a hold of that. Because people put people on this top position like they could do no wrong or make no mistakes. And they put them on the same level as God. And then, then they end up getting hurt when something happens, when some misunderstanding comes in, because they don't understand that their pastors and their leaders are just sheep like they are. Well, I can't believe he would do that. Well, you did it last week. 
Hello. Amen. It's just the truth, guys. It's just the absolute truth. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't hold people in high regard and, and esteem and, and expect better. Come on. I'm not saying that you shouldn't expect. And, you know, I, I, we endeavor to do the very best that we possibly can. But I'm telling you, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. You're going to mess up. But we got the grace of God. We got mercy and forgiveness. They're made new every morning. Amen? And I tell you what, you know, I, there's been many times I've had to sit before you and say, you know what, I messed up, repented. Remember those times. Anybody been around long enough to know that? I'll get up here and tell you. Hello? But you've got to get you got to get your eyes on the deeper things. If you're gonna if you're gonna survive this next wave of God, you better get deep, because there's going to be so mass confusion and there's going to be mass deception in this last days that you're not going to be able to see your which way is up. You're not going to be able to do that. You're going to end up following the wrong things, saying the wrong things, and doing the wrong things, and sowing seed in the harvest of your life, and reaping a bad, bad harvest. And I'm telling you, that confusion is in this nation right now. It is operating in the church house right now. I tell you, the Spirit of the Lord is here. We have not operated right, the Church of America. We have not operated according to the biblical ideas outlined in the Scripture. We have been entertainment-based. We have been seeker-friendly. We've been event-based and attractional. And that has put us in the sad position that the church is in. Where people are not, they're not filling the seat because there's nothing going on that would cause them to fill the seat. People want the power of God. They want the true gospel. They want the real message. And they're not afraid to go into the deep things. They're not afraid to talk about the controversial things. They want to hear the truth. But yet we put on our top hat and our little cane, and we do a little two-step for them, and then we wonder why they don't come back. It's time for us to be controversial. It's time for us to be on the edge. It's time for us to be talked about and gossiped about. It's time for us to cause people to say, what is going on over there? I don't understand that. And begin to shake a community... Hello. You need to be not upset when people talk about your church or talk about you in a negative way. You need to get a thicker skin. You need to be okay with it. And you need to do what Jesus said do. Rejoice when people speak ill about you. Come on now. We've got to take the same attitude that Jesus had if we're going to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But we're so afraid of someone throwing some kind of uh, a lie or some kind of, you know, uh, scandalous words or whatever. You know, we're so afraid of that that it limits our ability to minister to the people we need to minister to. Just let that sink in. Say la. <laughs> We're intimidated by the culture. We're manipulated by the witchcraft of our nation. Hello. You know, we'll get to it, but you know, the Apostle Paul, he warned the church of Ephesus on the island of, of, of Miletus. And he said, he said, I know that when I leave, ravenous wolves and even men out of your own company will rise up speaking things contrary to what you've been taught. We're in that last hour. We're in that day where we're seeing that begin to happen. Amen? And so, our verse for tonight, Paul, an apostle of Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. We covered a lot of ground, guys. You just don't realize it. We'll be all right. Once we hit the ground running, it'll be good. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we just give you praise and thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. We exalt you. We adore you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Well, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, or you need some of the stuff we talked about, we're going to have our ministers that are going to be up here at the close of service. And I'm looking forward to this weekend. I'm looking forward to finishing up. Let no man deceive you believe we've got some good things. I'm going to be speaking about 10 lies that we have lived with all our life that have been dispelled by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so we're going to have a really good time. So invite your friends and your neighbors. It's going to be good. Praise God. Amen. Everybody okay? I'll let you out a little bit later. It's all right. It's okay. Be blessed in Jesus' name. You're dismissed.